0: To the simple, to the simple truth. You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel.
1: So, Jesus' first coming was all about establishing a spiritual kingdom. But Jesus warned that there would be a span of time between his first and second coming. Jesus said in the passage we read, you will desire to see me again, he said. So he said, in my first coming, I'm coming not as a conquering king, but as a suffering savior, as a suffering servant. As we
0: cling to the simple. When Jesus declared that he wasn't here to be a conquering king, many people were angry and denied that he was the Messiah. Christ's first visit was instead to establish a spiritual kingdom, as Pastor Dion explains in his message today. Without Jesus' first visit as a suffering Savior, we would have little hope for a relationship with his Father. Christ knew that we would long for him to come again, and he will during the Second Coming. Believers around the world have been eagerly waiting for this appointed time, At this time, Christ will come to deliver judgment. Now here's Pastor Dion in the book of Luke, chapter 18, with today's edition of The Simple Truth.
1: Well guys, during Jesus' ministry, he both hinted and claimed to be the Messiah. During Jesus' ministry, three and a half years, he both hinted and he claimed to be the Messiah. In fact, just a few months earlier from where we are in the story today, Jesus was in Jerusalem for the Feast of Dedication. And this is what was said at that time. John chapter 10, verse 22. Then came the Feast of Dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple area walking in Solomon's Colonnade. Then the Jews gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So Jesus, in these verses, and in many others throughout his teachings and his life, revealed that he was the Messiah. But according to the Old Testament prophecies, the Messiah was supposed to free Israel from political bondage. The Messiah was supposed to come with innumerable armies. The Messiah was supposed to defeat evil and establish a kingdom of peace. It's called a theocracy. It is God-ruled, not man-ruled, not people-ruled, but God-ruled. And that's what the Messiah was supposed to bring. Heaven on earth. We could also call it a utopia. And that's what the Messiah was supposed to bring. Well, knowing this that the Messiah was supposed to bring all these things, the religious leaders sarcastically asked Jesus, so where's your kingdom? If you're the Messiah, so where's your kingdom? And do you think that these 12 rednecks is enough to overthrow Rome? Huh? You know, all those Duck Dynasty dudes with Jesus. he said, oh, You think these guys are enough to overthrow Rome? And so when's the victory parade, Jesus? When is the victory parade? Here's the text, chapter 17, verse 20. The sarcasm is shining. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to the disciples, the days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look here or look there. Do not go after them or follow them. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in His day. But first He must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation." So listen, the religious leaders were mocking and challenging Jesus about the discrepancy between the prophecies and his ministry. The prophecies say that the Messiah is supposed to bring um, you know, peace and, 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 and prosperity, is supposed to come with an innumerable amount of people. He will free of them, free Israel of political power. But Jesus, it just doesn't look like you're doing this. So the religious leaders were mocking and challenging Jesus. But that's when Jesus reveals that the Messiah will have two advents, will come to earth not once, but twice. So he tells them, hey, listen, he reveals that there's going to be two advents, two comings, that the Messiah will not just come once, but twice. Jesus explained in this passage that He would come again. Okay, Jesus explained that He would come again. And now, during this first coming, Jesus wasn't a conquering king, but a suffering Savior. He said this first coming was about establishing a spiritual kingdom. Why did he need to come first and establish a spiritual kingdom first? Because their biggest problem then wasn't Rome. Their biggest problem then wasn't Rome. You know, Roman domination wasn't their biggest problem. And guys, our biggest problem isn't drug addiction, alcoholism, terrorism. Our biggest problem isn't President Trump or the national debt, or crime, or failing economy, or that rocket man, you know, from North Korea. That's not our biggest problem. Our biggest problem is a spiritual one. It's called sin and death. So Jesus said, there's going to be two comings, and my first coming is all about establishing a spiritual kingdom because our biggest problem isn't the things that are happening around us, but the very thing that's happening on the inside. See, we are sinners by nature. You've heard me say this many times. We are sinners by nature. What's our biggest problem? Sin and death was passed down to us from Adam and Eve. Generation after generation, every single one of us is infected. And this is why the Bible says this, There is none righteous, not even one. No, not one. So, hey, listen, every person has been passed down this sin and death, a sin nature. So along with all of your distinguishing features, your eye and your hair color, your dimples or your freckles. You also got a sin nature. You are bad to the bone, huh? You're having trouble swallowing that? Well, consider a toddler. You don't teach them to be selfish or stingy or demanding. You don't tell them, that, no, this is how you do a tantrum, okay? You, you don't teach that. You don't teach them any of that stuff. It comes natural so does lust, and greed, and pride, and envy, and all of that stuff you got going on. Jesus explained that lying, lusting, and la vida loca is because you are of your father the devil and the lusts of your father you do. That's what Jesus said. We're sinners by nature. So, kind of like Kramer on Seinfeld, I think, I, I just blew your mind, didn't I? So we're sinners by nature. But we're also sinners by choice. See, we're born with the nature of sin. But then at one point... We understand right from wrong. And we decide to sin against conscience or against law. We officially become sinners by choice. Children of the corn, sinners by choice. And then we become sinners by practice. It's the way we roll. From then on, we start rolling that way. So first, we have a sin nature. We're born with it. But then at one point, we make a decision to do it, And we sin, and then we're children of the court, sinners by choice. Then we become sinners by practice. What does that mean? Watch this. Have you ever noticed people with strange idiosyncrasies? You know, little habits that people do over and over without realizing it. You ever run into people like that? A nervous twitch, pushing their glasses all the time. They don't realize it. They just do it. Until they get, you know, lazy. And then they're they're like, ooh, how about biting their lip, biting their nails, stroking their hair? And people do that. Nervous. They They just do it. Or pulling on their t shirt. You ever see people always doing that? They do it without thinking all the time. All the time. Idiosyncrasies. Sin becomes a habit or a practice. Just like that. We're sinners by nature. Then we become sinners by choice. And then we just start doing it all the time. Right? Isn't it true, guys? Sinners by choice. It becomes a habit. You lie. You steal. You gossip. You complain. You fly off the handle. You don't want to, but you do. You just can't. Help yourself you just can't help yourself everybody say sinners by practice so you get it and because we are sinners by nature by choice or by practice we have a predetermined sentence the wages of sin is death the Bible says spiritual death separation from God To perish in hell is the sentence. So that's why the priority of Jesus' first coming was to save us from that very end. John 3.16 says, you know it well, quote it with me. God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him, everybody, will not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to everybody save the world through him. Yeah. Then there's a the next verse. 1 John 3:8. Here's what it says. The reason the son of God appeared was to everybody destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus' priority of His first coming was to do just that, to help us and save us from the end of that nature of sin, to relieve us, to free us from the sin and death. So Jesus destroyed, just like the verse says, Jesus destroyed the works of sin and death. And guys, in the victory parade that Jesus did was a little different from any other conquering king. Any other conquering king would ride in on a white stallion. Any other conquering king would bring all of the, the, you know, his, his prisoners in tow. They would throw the people, would, and they'd have a parade, and the people would throw roses over in front of him and just lay that out a path, a red carpet. Of roses. That's where that actually came out from. Of a conquering king. Well, Jesus' victory parade was a little different. Jesus marched through the city carrying a cross. And instead of roses and shouts of praises, they hurled at Jesus' insults and spit. But Jesus endured all of it to establish the spiritual kingdom in people's hearts. In people's lives. That's why what Jesus meant when he said, the kingdom of God is in you, meaning that those who believe in Jesus as Messiah and make him their king, his kingdom is established. In them. That's the first thing he came to do. His priority of the first coming to establish a spiritual kingdom. And where it is established is in you. In each individual who confesses Jesus Christ as their king, he comes and he reigns in their lives. That's what he meant. Freeing us individually. Now, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That is so awesome. So Jesus' first coming was all about establishing a spiritual kingdom. But Jesus warned that there would be a span of time between his first and second coming. Jesus said in the passage we read, You will desire to see me again, he said. So he said, in my first coming, I'm coming not as a conquering king, but as a suffering savior, as a suffering servant. And he said, and and I'm coming to establish a spiritual kingdom. That's my first coming. But there's going to be another coming. I'm going to come again. Everybody say second coming. There's going to be a second coming, he said. At that point, there's a second coming that will happen. The second coming is you're going to desire, but there's going to be the span of time between it. It has literally been 2,000 years, and we are anxious to see him. But there is still an event that is yet to happen before Jesus' second coming called the rapture of the church. All right, so listen Jesus came as a suffering servant the first time, that was his first coming, and then he said between that first coming and the second coming, there is a span of time, he said, and you're going to be anxious to see me. And he said, and, but listen, in that time period that you're waiting for the second coming, there is going to be what's called the rapture of the church. When Jesus catches his faithful followers away. How many of you are looking forward to that? Huh? Now, understand, I'm glad, I'm excited for you guys too, I'm excited for all of us, all right? it's going to be a great reunion, now watch, but understand, guys, that, that the rapture is not considered a coming, because Jesus doesn't touch the ground during the rapture, and he doesn't linger, it's in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, right? Right? And He just comes through the clouds. He never touches the ground. So it's not considered a coming. But Jesus said, between my first coming and my second coming, there's a period of time that's going to lapse. And there's going to be the rapture of the church, yes. But after the rapture, there will be seven years of tribulation like the world has never seen. It's called the great apocalypse. And after those final seven years of human history... Jesus will come again. This is what is called the second... Now, John, the apostle, was given a glimpse of this event, the second coming. Here is what he saw. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. Then I saw heaven open, John said, and a white horse standing there. And the one sitting on the horse was named Faithful, and true. Guess who that is? He said, the one who justly punishes and makes war. His eyes were like flames, and and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on his forehead, and only he knew its meaning. He was clothed with garments dripped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. And in his mouth he held a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He ruled them with an iron grip. And he trod the winepresses of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And on his robe and on his thigh was written this title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is when Jesus will free Israel. That is when Jesus will destroy evil and establish world peace. And Jesus told those sarcastic religious leaders that on the day of His second coming, before there is jubilation, there will be judgment. Continuation of Luke, verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. On the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife? Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night there will be two men in one bed, and don't let that alarm you because it's the, the, actually men is not in the original transcript, so it says just two in one bed. The one will be taken and the other will be left. Two women, that's also not in there, it says two will be grinding together, one will be taken and the other left. Two will be in the field, the one will be taken and the other left. And they answered and said to him, Where will they be taken, Lord? So he said to them, Wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. So Jesus is saying, hey, listen, there's a second coming, but before there's jubilation, there's going to be judgment. At Jesus' second coming, judgment will be fast and furious, Jesus said. Like a lightning flash. He said, like the days of Noah. Like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, judgment consumed them in seconds, not hours. Don't think that, you know, it just kept raining and kept raining until, you know, several days before everybody drowned. No. The Bible says that in Noah's day, the blanket of water that covered the whole earth, it used to be the ozone layer, we call it, used to be a lot thicker in Noah's day, and God just let a bunch of that water fall, and it was... it. What drowned people drowned in seconds. That judgment came fast and furious. It was not in an hour, but in seconds, people were judged. Jesus' second coming will be just like that. No time to get your affairs in order, Jesus said. So don't procrastinate. Because Jesus said, because if you do procrastinate, you will be bird food. You will be a buffet for the eagles, the pelicans, and the vultures of that area. Just let that hang there for a minute. Now listen, Jesus knew that the truth about future events can be scary. It can be scary. So Jesus suggests, if your knees are knocking together, kneel on them. Call out to the Lord. He will help.
0: Jesus' life changed history. When He came to earth, everything people knew shifted, and a new way of interacting with God began. Jesus shows you how to live, how to love, and how to devote yourself fully to sharing the truth of God's Word. As you continue to discover the details of your incredible Savior's life, we pray you long to be more like Him. Seek Him in all you do, and let Him change your heart to be more like His. We're so glad that you tuned in today for Pastor Dion's teaching in the book of Luke. We'd like to encourage you to spend even more time studying the Word, learning about Jesus' life in this and the other gospel books. Ask the Holy Spirit to accompany you as you read and point out the passages that He knows your heart needs to hear. We'd love to pray for you during this series as well. So please let us know how we can specifically be lifting you up to the Lord. Give us a call at 505-753-4363. That's 505-753-4363. Do you live in the Española area? If so, come visit us at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel on Sundays and Wednesdays for a time of worship, Bible study, and fellowship. Find out more and get directions to the church by visiting tmcalvary.com. If you can't make it in person, we invite you to join us virtually through Facebook, where we live stream all of our services. Just follow the link to Facebook that you'll find at tmcalvary.com. Thanks for tuning in today, and join us again next time, right here on The Simple Truth. You're the one that we can claim. We'll be fools for you as you work in us. May your power show in the deeds we sow. Let us join our hands, and together we stand. So